0: Welcome once again to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as usual by veteran campaigner and blogger Greg Lance Watkins. British and American military involvement in Afghanistan is at an end after nearly 20 years. But why on earth were they sent there in the first place? And looking ahead, what next for Afghanistan? On what terms should we enter into dialogue with the Taliban? Do stay with us. Well, Greg, I am not a 9-11 conspiracy theorist. And I have no time for all the wacky stuff. There's other podcasts out there people can listen to if that's what they want. But I think we need to go back to basics on this. And the first question is, what on earth were we doing in Afghanistan in the first place? Because, yes, Osama bin Laden gloated of his involvement in the 9-11 attacks. But so what? Um, Lots of people were gloating about it. The 9-11 attackers were, well, 15 of them were citizens of Saudi Arabia, Two were from the United Arab Emirates. One was from Lebanon, one was from Egypt. And a good book to read on this is The Eleventh Day by Anthony Summers and Robin Swan. It's a wholly absorbing and a powerful narrative full of good sense, properly weighted facts and clear understanding of 9-11 and its aftermath. And it deals with many important points. There's the bungling of the security services, pretty much standard, we see that sort of thing a lot lots of daft things happened, Uh, a million pairs of tweezers were pointlessly confiscated by airport security guards. And there's the creepy suppression of 28 pages of the US Congress's inquiry report into 9-11, believed to endanger Washington's very special relationship with Saudi Arabia. So what I'm getting at, Greg, is that of the 9-11 attacks, and again, I'm not saying the US government was involved in some wild conspiracy and was behind it in any way, but as I just said, These were predominantly from Saudi Arabia, to a lesser extent the UAE, one from Lebanon, one from Egypt. What on earth were we doing in Afghanistan in the first place?
1: I think something to remember, to put this in a completely different context, is do you remember when Iran seized a collection of Americans and kept them hostage? America found itself in the position that government was going to fall at home if it didn't do something about it. And it was going to fall overseas if it did do something about it. Because the Russians had said, don't attack Iran or we will attack you. You may recall that. Well, this was
0: during the Carter presidency, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm 37. Nobody under the age of about 50 is going to have any meaningful recollection of that.
1: Uh, Yes, but you will notice that all politicians in America are well over that age. Indeed. Um, Some of them are positively geriatric, Mm. Um, you may have noticed. So they were the people who went through those formative years, if not personally in office, in a position where that was where they were learning about their diplomatic skills. Now. The reason I raised this is what the hell did a task force go into Iran for and be such a bundling mess? Losing an aeroplane, getting shot down, following the road to somewhere it didn't know where it was going because it had no idea where the hostages were. having helicopters flying so low they took sand into the air intakes and crashed they got reported to the Iranian military by people on a bus traveling down the road. It was a complete shambles until you looked at it and thought what the hell are they playing at? Well they were appeasing their their electorate, meanwhile making sure they didn't offend the Russians by achieving anything.
0: Right. How does this fit in with Afghanistan?
1: Well, I think that's how they wound up in Afghanistan. They had to do something because of 9-11, and they hadn't got a clue what to do. And here was a place where the Russians had taken a pounding. The Russians weren't going to get involved. And at that stage, the Chinese weren't. And so it was a safe place to go and make a nuisance of themselves. Right. Because now, they hadn't got a clue what they were doing.
0: Now, I'm thinking back to 9-11 itself. We're just coming up to the 20th anniversary. I remember the day very well. I was walking home from Sixth Form College with a friend of mine. And uh, we walked past this pub every day. And we 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 often, it was about two, two, three mile walk from the college to my home. And he and I walked that way every day. Uh, it was good exercise for us. And we walked past this pub and whenever we looked through the window, normally there would be afternoon sport on the TV. There would be um, generally horse racing or snooker or darts or whatever was ever on the telly. We looked through the the window that day and I could see that there was news coverage on. And this was in the years before smartphones. We had no way of finding out exactly what had gone on at that stage. But I remember saying to him, and he'll back me up on this because I still know him. And I said to him, I said, something's up. I went home, put the portable telly on in the kitchen, and both towers had fallen by that stage. And it was the most astonishing thing ever. And, of course, it dominated the evening's programming for several days afterwards. But I remember that night, the night of 9-11, when I was either watching BBC or ITV, whatever it was, and they were taking a feed from one of the American channels, and they put up a picture about 9-10 at night, our time, of Osama bin Laden and they were trying to make out, ah, we got someone who's responsible for this. Now, what had happened is Osama bin Laden had gloated about it that day. As indeed at others, he wasn't the only person to claim responsibility. He was gloating about it. And even at that, I thought it was a bit odd that even after such a short space of time, they were pointing fingers even at that stage. It struck me as odd on the day itself. Oh, I agree with you. But it struck me as odd that... Um... The towers had fallen and absolutely nothing in either of them
1: was remotely usable. Um, all the uh, paperwork, etc., had been totally trashed out of two of the biggest office buildings in the world. And yet they found a passport of one of the people who was on the airplane. Mm who got blamed because he was an Arab. Arab? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I just don't buy it. Um, there were so many things about that that America leapt to conclusions. Hmm. I really don't think they had a clue what they were doing.
0: Yes, and I remember about three or four days afterwards there was a special edition, a live edition of Question Time on the BBC and Tam diel was on the panel and he urged caution in jumping to conclusions. And at that stage, there was a lot of jingoistic, pro-American sentiment, uh, whatever Bush says, goes. That was the, there was a, tempers were very high. He was the one calling for calm. And he said he was calling for dialogue and to, first of all, establish the facts. And I remember that very well. I remember the anger against him in particular at that time. But going back to the book I just mentioned, um, the book by Anthony Summers and Robin Swan, The Eleventh Day, it describes in quite a lot of depth how the official 9-11 commission deliberately ducked the issue of what motivated the murderers. All the evidence, the authors correctly say, indicates that Palestine was the factor that united the conspirators. Now, I don't have a debate about the rights and wrongs of the Israel-Palestine conflict here. That's for another day. What I do want to say is that it was the issue of Palestine that was motivating the hijackers. That is where all the evidence points. If you look at it rationally, Afghanistan doesn't clearly fit into this.
1: I agree with you. I never thought Afghanistan did because there was nothing adequately sophisticated in Afghanistan. There was no record of them having um, been consequential terrorists anywhere else in the world. Yes, they sold a lot of poppies and opium, but that was actually the direct fault of the Americans.
0: Yeah, and let me be clear about this. I loathe and despise the Taliban and their track record on human rights and the abuses that went on and the way they forced women to live and the way they forced men to live as well, for that matter. But the fact is that we went into Afghanistan in the latter part of um, 2001 on a pretext that the Taliban were shielding al-Qaeda, who were apparently responsible for this attack. But that's not where the evidence leads. Now, I'm wondering, Greg, you said that America was sort of involved in a knee-jerk panic. To what extent do you think that the oil in the Caspian Sea was a factor in this?
1: Um, Basically, the oil in Afghanistan and the oil in uh, Iraq were both... Complete irrelevancies. The Americans weren't remotely interested in oil because we've got so much oil worldwide that you're never going to run out of it, um, whatever um, the fantasists may tell you. Uh, name a major oil field anywhere in the world that has run out.
0: Well, I can't. Yeah, you,
1: yeah, yeah, there you, is you, one. Yeah. So don't think it's oil. Any of these battles have not been about oil. They have been about maintaining the US dollar as the reserve currency of choice worldwide. And Iraq and China and Iran were conspiring to produce a, an oil exchange bus to rival the dollar. That is why America had to go into Iraq and had to go into Afghanistan. America, America, while they were in Afghanistan, spent literally billions, if not possibly trillions, bombing the Tora Bora mountains. Hmm. Who on earth bombs mountains to find a, a suspected miscreant in a possible cave, it, well, completely implausible. What well, they were bombing it for was to knock a pathway through from northern Iraq into Pakistan to lay a pipeline.
0: Yeah, look, the because pretext... oil
1: is the seed of everything.
0: The, the pretext at which Bush and Blair took us into Afghanistan, when you look at it, analyze it in a rational way, insults the intelligence of a five-year-old, quite frankly.
1: Now and we can't put it in a rational way. It just was irrational.
0: Yes. Now, if we had true leadership on the terrible events of September 11th, 2001, the rational thing to do would have been, first of all, to call for calm and then look at what the security services, if they're anything like as good as we're told that they are, let's get to the bottom of who was behind this and take it from there. Don't Hang go on. rushing into countries
1: any good. The security services of America and Britain have been telling our present leadership in both countries that the Taliban, the army that has been trained up of Afghanistanis to govern themselves, would hold off the Taliban. Well, 20 years ago I said within two weeks of America leaving The Taliban will be in control. Now, the next stage that nobody has thought about is the Taliban at the moment have the third or fourth largest um, air force in the world.
0: Uh, Uh, Hang on, hang on. I I read that as well, but we do know that a lot of those aircraft are not usable now.
1: uh, I said they have the aircraft. Hmm. They have the third or fourth largest air force in the world the fact that it's on the ground and they have no ability to maintain it isn't part of that equation it is the largest or one of the largest air forces in the world
0: from left behind so, american equipment exactly yeah
1: this is all equipment this is all equipment that they can hire in chinese and russians and iranians to maintain But do bear in mind that Russia makes planes for export, military planes for export to other countries, um, third world countries. And interestingly, although few people know it, the nickname for these aeroplanes is uh, whatever it is, MIG or whatever, is the monkey version. Uh, slightly derogatory about the people who are going to be running them, but it has to be simple enough that they can keep them going. They're not sophisticated, uh, state-of-the-art planes because, just like all the planes that have been left to the uh, Taliban, within, I would guess, a month, virtually none of them will fly. Right. Just as no. They're no. all wandering around with... Kalashnikov ripoffs made in China, the 56 model, they won't work in a month's time.
0: Yeah, look, the situation we've got now, we've had 20 years, British servicemen and women, our allies, servicemen and women, numerous have been killed, numerous innocent Afghans have been killed as well. History teaches us going back 100, 150, 200 years, interfering in Afghanistan does not end well the terrain, the nature of the country. Look, Afghanistan is a mixture of tribes. There's the Pashtun, mainly found in the south, the Tajik, mainly found in the northeast and northwest, the Uzbek in the north, the Turkmen in the north, the Balak in the far south, and there's many other smaller tribes. And do you remember, Greg, when um, the overthrow of the Taliban was taking place in late 2001, do you remember the way the mainstream media in this country um, talked about the Northern Alliance as though they were the good guys in some way, the Northern Alliance didn't have the support of the majority of the Afghan people, not by a long way. So uh,
1: bear we bear in mind that the Northern Alliance was watered down in, I think it was 1910 by moving 50 percent of the Pashtuns from the south to the north to mm. split their forces.
0: Hmm. So the whole thing. Intervention in Afghanistan was ill thought out. It was illogical. It was not a rational response to the 9-11 attacks. And we have had 20 years. And, you know, what we've seen the events of the last few weeks on our TV screens, we had so-called expert security services saying, oh, the Taliban will reach uh, Kabul within um, eight months to a year, we think. They arrived three days later, three days after they were saying that on the news, our so-called security experts, there the Taliban was in Kabul itself. They were clueless. So, Greg, here we are, the Taliban are back. And an important point to make, that fellow who was on um, Good Morning Britain the other day being interviewed by Susanna Reid, the Taliban spokesman in uh, Qatar, I think he was. Whether you take him at his word or whether you don't, there's an important point here, and that is that he and indeed whoever's in charge in Kabul does not necessarily have the authority over everybody who claims to be a Taliban fighter. They are sort of operating in a semi-autonomous way in terms of what happens next.
1: They have about nine different terrorist groups where the Western world tends to group them all together and call them the Taliban. And then they start to find that there's IS um, whatever and there's Um, this group and that group of terrorists within the Taliban, who as the Taliban lose control, and do bear in mind they got there within three days but they haven't appointed a single minister yet because they're squabbling Hmm. and they will continue to squabble they will find that sophisticated pieces of kit like Humvees will or be off the road within a month or so because right. they won't be able to maintain them. So,
0: so Greg, we haven't gone so wrong it's civil now, so, war. Yep. Yeah, so you're right; it's civil war, and the Taliban is an umbrella group in effect for a, a large number of. It's effectively a coalition of people who don't really get on, and it's not well organised anyway, as we are already seeing. But the final point I'm going to have to ask to be fairly brief from here. This catastrophe that the West has been involved with. How should we engage or not engage with the Taliban going forward? I ask you to be brief, please.
1: I think we must put down a marker and say, if you play by these rules, we will work with you. If you don't, we will not. And if we do not,
0: we will embargo you in any way we can. When you say rules, are you talking about about not harbouring terrorists or does it go beyond that?
1: not harboring terrorists, um, a certain amount of human rights, um, basic governance, but they're not going to be able to govern the country. Hmm. It isn't going to happen.
0: And who's and the, the op- Chinese yeah.
1: have moved in already, and already the Chinese are threatening to pull out because Taliban dissidents Are killing the Chinese?
0: Yeah, and who's the arbitrator to say that the conditions we have imposed are actually being met by the Taliban? So it's a complex thing indeed.
1: But we will turn a blind eye to some of it, but we will make it look as if we're insisting.
0: Yep. Yes. There's an element of going to to be a disaster
1: for the next the next twenty years. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I can't do
1: on about another hundred.
0: Yeah, it's a sad, sad story. Um, And British and American interference in Afghanistan has been disastrous. We can take crumbs of comfort from saying two generations of young girls have received an education they wouldn't otherwise have had. But they're little crumbs of comfort in the grand scheme of things. But time has beaten us, I'm afraid. My thanks as always to Greg. My thanks to you for listening. Join us again next time.